Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Morning, my name is Saul. That's the name my parents gave me. But I also am often known by Paul or Paulus. That's my Roman name. I lived in two worlds. But most of all, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was born in the town of Tarsus. And there, I was raised in the ways of my ancestors, the ways of Judaism, the ways of Jewish and lived that life. I lived in a town, Tarsus there, that was filled with all kinds of other influences and all kinds of other things going on. So I grew up in Tarsus, and there I lived in a, a circumstances surrounded by all kinds of influences. But I lived in the ways of my ancestors. I pursued the law, and the law with zeal. And that's how I grew up. I grew up wanting to please God in all that I did, in everything I did. And I was committed to that with everything that I had. I mean, I looked back on my ancestors, the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe that gave us the first king of my people, the one named Saul, whom I was named after. And as I grew, I entered into study under Gamaliel, one of the greatest rabbis of the time, and I learned from him, and I became passionate about pursuing the law. I eventually grew to become a Pharisee, one who studied the law, one who taught the law, one who helped others know and follow it. Now, Pharisees sometimes get a bad rap. We could go on and on about the bad rap that Pharisees get, but we're not going to spend time here because I want to tell you a little bit of my story today, a little bit of my, my story and how I encountered Jesus and how he changed my life and how he might also change yours. So as I said, I was a Pharisee committed to helping people know God's law. And understand it. And I imagine many of you are the same way. You want to know what God has to say and you want to do it. That's what Pharisees were about. Helping people know and to follow this rule. But then there was this moment I heard about a rabbi. A man from Nazareth named Jesus. And he was a teacher and he was traveling. And I didn't pay too much attention to him. Until after he had been crucified by the Romans, and he had been handed over to death by them. And as he was going through this, as afterwards, his disciples, his followers, began to circulate rumors that he had been raised from the dead, that this Jesus was alive. But it wasn't just that that caught my eye. It wasn't just that that made me think. It was this thing they were saying that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, God's anointed one, that Jesus was God's saving king sent to save us. And I thought, that's blasphemy. A crucified Messiah? Anyone who knows the law knows that the one hung on a tree is cursed. So how could he be the Messiah? How could he be the chosen one? And so I joined in with some of the others trying to put down these ideas. To stamp out this idea. I thought, there's no way he can be the Messiah. To think of the Messiah, the Christ, as anointed was like a giant stone in the path for me. And one of his followers, I remember a man named Stephen. He had challenged and he was going and he was publicly teaching in Jerusalem about all the ways of this Jesus. About how Jesus had proclaimed himself as the temple and he would tear down the temple and build it up again. How he was countering against the laws of Moses and all that they said. And the elders, the Sanhedrin, they gathered together and they accused him of blasphemy. And they found him guilty and they dragged him out of the city. And there they took him, and they were going to stone him. 
And as they stoned him, as according to our tradition, the witnesses against him would be some of the first to throw the stones. And so they took off their robes so they could throw the stones better. And they dropped their robes at my feet. And I stood there and I watched with approval as they stoned Stephen. And as he cried out again in his blasphemy, claiming that he was seeing Jesus at that moment, sitting at the right hand, the Son of Man, the prophecy from Daniel. And so I joined in with the rest of many of the Jewish leaders to persecute, to put out this new way, this way of Jesus, which was in contrary to all that we learned. And so I went to the high priest in Jerusalem and I got a letter from him so that I could go to Damascus and I could bring back any of the followers who were there, bring them back and bring them to prison in Jerusalem. So I was on my way to Damascus. And there, all of a sudden, there was this blinding light. And I heard a voice. A voice that said, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I knew it was no human voice. And I said, Lord, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. So go to Damascus and you, there I will tell you what you must do. I couldn't see, but those with me took me to Damascus. And there, a man named Ananias came to me. And I had seen in a vision that Ananias would come, and he had also heard from God that he was supposed to come to me. And he came and he told me about Jesus. And as I heard that story, they were like scales falling from my eyes. And I began to see, but I began to see not only the physical world around me, but God's Holy Spirit came to me and I began to see and to believe that Jesus is the saving king. That he's the Messiah, that he was the one God sent to rescue us all. And from that day, my life was changed. And changed in this amazing way because God not only saved me and taught me about Jesus, but he looked at me and he called me and he said, you are going to be my apostle. The one I'm sending, my sent one, to go to all the world and proclaim this good news of Jesus. That I, a Pharisee, one who was raised in the Jewish law, one to see the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews and the nations, who had been set apart all those days, was to go to the Gentiles, to the nations, and proclaim this good news of Jesus. But I struggled with it. I thought, why me? Why me, this one who had persecuted the church? Why me, this one who had tried to stamp out this message of Jesus? Why was he calling me? I certainly didn't deserve it. I was, there were certainly better people to choose. But I began to understand and see something. It was something I knew from the stories that I heard growing up, from the stories of our scripture. But this was God's grace at work, his gift God has always operated by grace where he calls people not according to their merit, not according to the things they've done, not according to their status. He did it with Abraham. Abraham had done nothing. He chose Jacob over Esau. Again and again through the stories, God showed his grace. He demonstrated it in choosing the unlikely and saying that we have no merit, we have no standing before him, that he calls us according to his goodness. 
that He presents to us a gift. And that's why God chose me. Not because I was special, not because I was anything, but as a demonstration of His grace, a demonstration of His goodness, a demonstration of the way that this is how He works. And He does it most of all through Jesus, that Jesus is a grace. Jesus is a gift given, not because we deserve it, not because we earn it, but as a gift. And so I became an apostle, a sent one of grace, to go and to proclaim this good news of Jesus everywhere I went, to teach people, to encourage them to start churches and to help them to hear about it. And as I went, one of my central messages was freedom, of being set free, just like God had set me free, set me free from all these things that were holding me down. I became the apostle of the heart set free. And that's what I want to talk to you a little more about today is this freedom that I found in Jesus, freedom that's available to all. First of all, I found a freedom from the law. You say, freedom from the law? I grew up teaching the law. I grew up and I knew the law was good, this word that God had given to His people that set the Jews apart from the Gentiles. But there was a problem, you see, because when this news went out about Jesus, that sometimes conflicts arose between people, between the Jews and the Gentiles, between these different groups of people. For example, there was the church in Rome. There were groups of people. There was Jews and Gentiles in Rome. And the Jews, they knew they were the heirs of the law. They were the ones who held on to this. And so they looked down on the Gentiles. They're like, we have the law. And the Gentiles looked at the Jews and thought, but... We know we don't need the law. And so there was this fighting going on between them, but they failed to understand that all stood equal before Jesus, that all had fallen short, that the Jews, they could claim they had the law, but they didn't keep the law any more than the Gentiles did. And that's what I told the Romans when I wrote them a letter. I said to them, we're all fallen short. We've all failed to do what God has called us to do. We've all Miss the mark. We've all sinned against God. We're all equal in that. And so we can be free from this division that comes between us about law. And there was certainly an irony in it that here I am, the Pharisee, the keeper of the law, saying the law doesn't make a difference anymore. But there was something more about being free from the law. Because the law were these rules that God had given us to keep us and help us do what God wanted us to do. But the problem with the law, the law was good, but the problem with the law was it really doesn't help you do what's good. And maybe you know this feeling. Maybe you read your Bible and you see the stories, you hear what God calls us to do, the commandments. And you see the commandment, you see this call to love your neighbor. And you know it's a good law. And you want to do that law. But the rule doesn't help you do it. You can say it all you want. You can believe it. And that was the problem with the law. Was it was this desire we could maybe do it, but the law didn't help us do it. And so what I experienced in Jesus was freedom from trying to use the law because Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could do what God has called us to do. 
because what happens is sin twists the law and does this thing because I want to do that. And what happens, sin takes that law and it twists and turns it so that we no longer desire to do the good. It twists and turns it. And what happens is we're told something's bad and the way what sin does is takes and turns it and says, oh, that's bad. Well, go ahead and you should do that. But Jesus sets us free from that. He gives us the Holy Spirit, and so we're not relying on the law anymore, but we're relying on the Spirit inside of us to live the life. And so I was set free from the law. But more than that, I was set free from the power of sin. Sometimes we think of sin as just the, the bad things we do. You know, we just, this long list of things, and we break these rules. And we sin. But sin is also this power that holds us in slavery. I know I've experienced, maybe you've experienced, where there's something good you want to do. You know what's good, but you can't do it. Or maybe there's something you've been doing that you don't want to do, and you keep waking up and saying, I'm not going to do that. And then you go to bed at night and say, I did it. That's the power of sin. It's, it's this thing that holds us in slavery, that keeps us doing what we don't want to do. But Jesus set us free because what happened was when He died on the cross, he became sin. He took the curse upon him. He died our death for us. He was our substitute. He stood in, and in him and in his death, the power of sin was broken. It's like when God set his people free from Egypt. That story we learned and I learned growing up that God's people were slaves in Egypt, and then God came and rescued them and took them out of slavery in Egypt. He set them free. In the same way, Jesus brought us out of slavery into freedom. Now, sometimes we want to go back to Egypt. We go back there, but what God says, in Jesus, you're free from that. You don't have to go back there. It no longer has power over you. I was free from the law, and I was free from sin. But more than that, and most of all, what we celebrate today is, I was free from the consequence of sin. I was free from death. Then when Jesus walked out of that tomb on that first Easter Sunday, He was proclaiming a new creation. He was pro proclaiming His victory over sin, the devil, and over death. And that he offered that same victory to all of us. That there's this mystery that God proclaims that we're united with him. He dies and we die with him. He's raised, we're raised with him. And I think of those words that Jesus spoke to me on that road to Damascus. When he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I thought, well, I wasn't persecuting Jesus, I was persecuting his people but it was a reminder that those who put their faith, those who put their trust in Jesus are joined with Him. And in the same way, we're joined when we put our faith, when we put our trust, when we put our believing allegiance in Jesus, we're joined with Him. We die with Him and we're raised with Him. And I needed that reminder, that freedom from the fear of death all through my ministry. That very first time when Ananias told me about Jesus and I started to proclaim the good news of Jesus in Damascus, crowds came to get me and I had to escape the city. And after that, everywhere I went, I was beaten. 
I was stoned, shipwrecked, thrown in jail, time and time again. But I had hope. I had hope because of Jesus. And I was no longer afraid of death. I no longer had any doubts because I knew that in Jesus, I had life, life now and life eternal. And He offers that same hope to each and every one of us. You may not be facing beatings or shipwrecks or jail, but there's probably something in your life that's bringing fear and doubt. It may be fear of death, which in some sense is the thing with the source of all our fears. Wondering whether we're going to matter, whether wondering what's going to happen to our family, all these things that revolve around this fear of death. And Jesus says, you don't need to be afraid anymore. That because of me, I have defeated death and I no longer need to be afraid. I no longer need to have any doubts. And he offers that as a gift, as a grace to each and every one of us. And he invites us to receive it by faith, to give us, to give our allegiance, our trust, to put our trust in him. And when we do that, then we can embrace that same hope, that same joy to know and to be able to say, death, where's your sting? Grave, where is your victory? To look and to say that God's love will never leave us. And that's what God reminds us of in this victory of His, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not life, not death, not angels, not demons, not principalities, not powers, not the future, the past, not height, nor depth, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And He offers that to us as a hope. I found freedom in Jesus. Freedom from all that had bound me. Freedom from the law, freedom from sin, and freedom from death. And He invites you, and I invite you, to experience that same freedom. To know that God has conquered all and is victor over all. And so, may you know that same hope that same joy, that same peace this day. That death has no power over you. That death had no power over Jesus. And that you too can find freedom. Freedom from the law, freedom from sin, and freedom from death. By putting your trust, by putting your faith in Jesus. He offered it to me as a gift, as a grace. And He offers it to each one of you as a gift. Will you receive it this day? Receive this gift that God has given to you in Jesus. The freedom that He offers, freedom from the law, freedom from sin, and freedom from death and all that it brings. God has given us victory in Jesus Christ. May we trust in it this day.
and believe in him. Amen.